Good. Thank you again, worship team, for leading us this morning. And uh, wow, the presence of God is, is so amazing today. Um, if you're visiting with us, welcome. If this is your first time, I'm kind of looking around here. If you are visiting here the first time, we are just so thankful that you are here today. Um, can you run that back to Sunny? I forgot to give that to her. Um, we love people. We love God, and we're going through a series here that we'll be starting in just a few moments called The One Another's, and uh, we're going through our core values, uh, what we hold here at Abundant Life, and we have six core values, and so we're taking this whole year to do a series on one of those core values, and right now we're talking about we love God and we commit to love other people, and so that's the core value that we are uh, focusing in on during this series, so we'll get to that and just get to that in just a few moments. But here at Abundant Life, we celebrate a bunch of stuff. We celebrated last week. We had a wonderful uh, time out back, just an off to the side. Sarah, you and your team did a fantastic job just putting that together. Thank you so much. All of you who made desserts and the various things, thank you for doing that as well. I am still sore. All those kids challenged me last week to slip and slide. Whew, boy, Monday and Tuesday were pretty rough, but you know what? I'm walking, uh, which, is, which is a good thing, so we need to do that more often. I, I might need your cushion, absolutely. So, Well, listen, we, do, we celebrate some things. I want to introduce you to someone this morning. You may have met them. They've been coming here for a few weeks now, but Ryan, will you come on up here, buddy? Uh, so Ryan, uh, can you give him a hand? Isn't he a good-looking guy? Army. Former Army? Former Army, yeah, hoorah, all that kind of stuff. Hua, hua, yeah. So uh, he can do it better than me. But um, anyway, he was here last week, and, and here's something that the, the grounds team, Timothy, Mr. Stowe, myself, we'll go out and we'll see these fire ant mounds, and we will put stuff on them from Lowe's. And it will kill a few of the ants, but then they'll disperse. You know how it is, right? And you're like, man, why do these things not die? Well, Ryan has his own pest control company. And By the way, if you need pest control, talk to him after service. But he said, hey, can I come by and wipe out these ants? Put them at ease. At ease. Put them at ease, right? At ease pest control is what he does. And I said, absolutely. And while you're at it, you know, we have a couple other things. Would you mind looking at that? And so I'm not saying this to pat him on the back, although I will, but as part of our church now and as a blessing to our church, he didn't charge us to come and do this stuff, so thank you for that. Now, if you call him, he's probably going to charge you, so man's got to make a living. Man's got to make a living, so. Um, but anyway, we're back in the fellowship hall, and he started telling me his story in like five minutes, and in five minutes, my head was spinning, so I asked if he would tell his story, and then we'll get to how that time ended together. So will you just tell us a little bit about your background when you were high school? Is that sure. when it started? Yeah. I don't know if you can hear me okay. I've never yeah, had one good. of these before. <laughs> so a uh, little bit of trials and tribulations what led me to Christ. I mean, that's what I kind of got talking to, to Pastor Dave about. And uh, I was just putting some ice stations out and preventive pest control, and we got to talking. And uh, uh, it kind of takes me back to I didn't grow up in a church. Uh, I was in foster care I couldn't hear Mooresville. Uh, I, I lived in six different states moving around as a child growing up, uh, seven different high schools. So I didn't really know up from down. So being a Christian is something uh, that is new to me now. So um, I mean, I, so coming out of high school, uh, I was uh, just turning 18. I was with a woman, girlfriend at the time that was uh, also coming out of foster care. 
turn 18, they tell you, good luck, find a place to stay. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, support. Didn't have family, neither did her. She didn't either. So uh, we came out of foster care. Um, uh, we, we, uh, we didn't have a planned life, but we have Nathan. My son is now five years old. And, uh, but at the time, 18, with no, not a lot of places to go, I was working two jobs. And the times were tough with the economy, you know, kid out of high school. Uh, I worked a couple of factory jobs, the drywall on the weekend. Uh, I never saw the apartment that I paid for, but uh, you know, I was. Out of, uh, but anyhow, coming out of high school, worked a lot of jobs, worked a lot of hours. I got an opportunity in Maryland uh, to go work for a Staples distribution center. I went up there with my little '90s Honda. I told her that I would have to go up there and have to find a place to go. That I would sleep in my car until I got a place, and that uh, when I did, I would let them know they would come up here. I did just that. I got up there, I uh, worked, I slept in my car, got a little townhouse actually, uh, I'm 19 and I, at the time, and I said, hey look, it's time to come on up, I got the place, I was excited. She said she had found somebody else. She was moving on, I had just clipped his umbilical cord the months prior before I left, so that was my, you know, and uh, we named him Nathan Scott Popkin, that's my middle and last, but uh, anyhow, so I was up there, I was working, and I was like, well, at this point I needed to get back to North Carolina, I didn't really have a purpose to be up there, I didn't know the Lord. Uh, but uh, I was going back and forth commuting from this townhouse to the Staples job and uh, got to Staples and I come outside of work one day and uh, this is when I was trying to save up to get back down. Moving's not cheap, <laughs> so costly. So uh, my outside, my 90s Honda was gone. Didn't know where it was at. And uh, so I called the, you know, and it was stolen. I called the, the insurance companies and I was liability. They said, no cop, no collision. We can't cover you for theft. So I uh, tried to commute back and forth from work, couldn't do it. Uh, it was a long walk. I tried. <laughs> uh, ended up homeless. I slept under an apartment complex. They didn't have MVPs. They had a Weiss card. Same little card that you used to open. I used it to open a, underneath an apartment complex, a door. I would go through, and I slept on the slide pavement for eight months. I walked back and forth from a uh, dollar store and worked part-time and saved up. And uh, it's actually the first thing I had gotten was at a 7-Eleven, and I got robbed at gunpoint. I told him, the guy told me, he said, and I went into work the next day, he said, because uh, I actually took the weapon from him. But the guy was pointing a shotgun, and I, and I pointed it back at him, and he left. Um, when I went back into the, the uh, gas station the next day, the guy said, there was, no, uh, there was no hot dogs on the grill. Why was there no hot dogs on the grill? I said, well, they want me to hop from a hot dog on the way out? Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> he's coming to rob us, you know. But apparently insurance, you're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to just comply. And they, I lost my job because of that. Um, so that's when the dollar store came along. And anyhow, so I struggled financially trying to keep up. Uh, so then, you know, going forward, uh, I met some folks that weren't so, uh, you know, they made some bad choices. I didn't, I didn't, didn't end up getting in trouble with the law, but I, I, I took some risks I shouldn't have. And, uh, you know, and, uh, I remember, I remember we had some plans and I was, you know, I was trying to get back on my feet. I had plans to get back to North Carolina and it was, uh, you know, mid-December, uh, and this was 2012. I'll never forget this day because this is the first time that God smacked me in the head. That's how I describe it, because it, it really, there's no other, no other, I knew, I never knew God until that day. I knew that he was real, because I was, I was sitting up, I woke up this morning, I knew that I had something planned with those, those folks that were not so, um, not so great folks to be hanging around, I was going to make some bad choices, I was going to get some, a little bit of money in my pocket before I went back to North Carolina. I woke up that morning, and, uh, and, uh, and it had almost been a year by now, my son is almost a year old, and I, I had this like overwhelming, compelling feeling that I had to go. You had to go right now. That I, just, I literally got a box of my stuff, belongings. I got in another, by this time I had bought another 90s Honda. <laughs> so I had another one. And I put my stuff in my, in my car and I just, I drove. 
I drove. I didn't have a place to go. It was cold. It's December. I got my stuff, and I just drove. Didn't know why. I just did it. Uh, on the way down, I got a phone call, and I was supposed to go do those things that morning. And I got that phone call. It says, hey, those guys you were supposed to go with, are, they're sitting on death row right now. Good thing you weren't there. Um, now, I think that was God saying, hey, you got a son. You know, there's a second chance. Go do it. Do it right. And so I got back to North Carolina. Um, I met Sarah Gilmacher back there. She's, uh, and uh, we'll probably be married here soon enough, but we've been together about five years now. She's the, my son calls her mom. She's a good one. But uh, shortly after getting back down here, everything sort of fell into place, and I, I kind of lost sight of the Lord again. And I didn't really know that he was the reason why. I thought that I was doing it on my own, that this was, you know, I can do this. It's all me. You know, I joined the Army, uh, spent four years Army. I came back to Mooresville. Uh, first thing I could find, um, this is back up Army. I had to choose at one point in time because it's either custody of my son uh, or sign over parental rights as a father. And uh, I had to pick between that and the Army. So actually, I, I chose to, to go home. And, uh, and I, I grabbed a job. First thing I could do was mold. I was scrubbing mold under crawl spaces 10 hours a day. Every day, it was, uh, wasn't the most uh, pleasant job. But uh, that, that experience in the military, I, I applied for, it was like 2 in the morning. Time was getting rough at work. Didn't have a lot of hours coming in. At 2 in the morning, I remember applying. How'd you get into pest control, Ryan? What made you want to do this? I, Craigslist, I typed in, no experience needed in the search bar, the job section. Uh, that, that's how I got into it. All right, yeah, so I popped this little pest control job about 2.30 in the morning, I applied, and, uh, or something like that. And the next morning, I remember getting up at 7 something, like, I got to get to work, you know, and oh, no hours. And I, I went on back to the website to read up a little bit before I called and then tried to, you know, follow up on the job. And up popped this little box on the computer. So how can we help you? So I need a job. Enter. <laughs> so, so, and, uh, so I called them. I bothered them a bit. The guy called the owner calls me back. Uh, he says, hey, can you be at Starbucks in an hour? Showed up in a shirt and tie, and, uh, and I got an interview, got the job. So I started pest control. A little while later, I got certified. I got state licensed and some education entomology and whatnot, and I own a pest control company. But uh, there was, uh, it just, um, I thought, that, no, I got this. I got certified. I bought a home in Troutman. Um, I'd worked for everything that I got. I felt like I did this myself. You know, I'm proud of myself. Got a little bit too self-righteous, and I felt like I'd done all that. I got state certified. You know, what, what person came from this, and now I, I did this. And uh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. God then again smacked me in the head, said, nope, <laughs> you didn't do this. Uh, one morning I woke up, and uh, you know, this was late at night. I won't forget. Now, Sarah, you, I, my heart, Sarah's going through nursing school. I felt this weird feeling in my heart, didn't know what it was, and I ended up in the ER. Uh, my heart was beating at 205 beats a minute. And given, I mean, I was running my two miles for Army in 11 minutes and 50 seconds. I, was, I ended up serving in the Guard, too, because uh, I still wanted to serve. But um, it was, then it would jump to 15 beats a minute. My oxygen started dropping. And they rushed me up to ICU for a couple of days I spent, and they ended up shocking me back to life. And that, that was when they asked me, I remember they asked me, do you have a will? You know, I'm like... I run not me. I shouldn't be. I'm 20, 20, I'm 25 years old. I shouldn't, or 24. At the, why, why do I, you know, that was God saying, you didn't do this by yourself now. <laughs> and uh, and that's, then that's when I really knew it. And things got to change. And I started, I guess, being that good Samaritan, but I was still seeking the Lord. I hadn't found him. And uh, doing some pest control and coming to this church, uh, coming out here and uh, slipping slide challenges. And then the next day, I was like, this fire ants, got, they got to go. So, <laughs> I mean, we went in there, and uh, you know, we got down on a knee, and I confessed. I said, you know, this wasn't all me. This was the Lord's work, and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. 
And uh, everything happens for a reason. He's got a purpose for everybody. You know, everybody's got a purpose. And uh, you got to find that purpose and work towards it and don't give up. And you'll get it. Amen. Amen. Stay right here for a minute. Stay right here for a minute. Um, so I don't want to lose this part of the story. You, you knew that there was a God. You believed that he was real. And so we, here's, here's how our conversation went uh, Wednesday morning. I said, um, well, first of all, I wasn't sure exactly where he was with the Lord. I knew he believed in God and he was coming to church. And so uh, you even told me, you says, I've never confessed Jesus as my Savior before. And, and so immediately I'm like, hello, you know, <laughs> Holy Spirit, uh, here's your, so here's how our conversation, when I started asking, I said, so, you know, you can do that now, and your response was, I'm not ready, I got to get a few things in order, uh, start, you know, I, I know, commitment. I, it's a big commitment, yeah, he says, I, I recognize that this is a big commitment, I don't want to do it lightly, and I remember thinking, man, I wish everybody was like this, you know, normally, you know, we're just, okay, yeah, I'll commit to the Lord, say the prayer, all right, go on with the rest of my life. And he said, there's things in my life that's not right. I sin. And I'm like, hello, look, look, look at me. I, you know, we, we all sin. I said, here's the most important thing we need to do now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You can't do it on your own. You will continue. We, we sin, right? I mean, we're not proud of it. We, don't, we try not to practice sin. The Bible says don't practice that. And so he started talking to me. I said, well, let's, let's do this. Let's Confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life and allow him to help with the rest of that. And he says, all right, let's do it. So I kind of grabbed his hand and we're, we're like this and, and I start to pray. And he said, you know, what? I've, I've talked to God before and I, I'm always on one knee when I pray. And I said, well, let's get down on one knee. <laughs> yeah. So we get down on one knee. And so here we are. We're going to support you. And, and Sarah, he said, you know, we want to get married and, and, and all that. And so... Sarah, I'm not putting things on the spot here, but, you know, pretty soon we could be having a wedding. And I said, well, you know, we'll get time, get your family here. And he said, well, this is our family. You know, this is all that we have here. And so uh, mom and uh, Donovan must not be feeling well today, but uh, yeah, he's struggling. We need to pray for Donovan, COPD, and just be praying for, for him too. And so Christopher, you know, so be looking out. We don't know when that's going to happen again. That's no pressure on you guys. I'm just announcing it in church, right? <laughs> so, um, but we, we want to be here for you guys. We love you. We're so proud of the decision that you have made to follow after Christ. Your life will never be the same. Amen. Can we give him another hand? All right, buddy. Love you. All right. This guy, I'm going to put this right here. Wow. Man, that just this whole week, my I was on cloud nine all week because... And I told him I went back there to tell him something else after he was after we had finished. And I said, you know, I said, we celebrate salvation here at church. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says that when one person comes to Jesus, all of heaven rejoices, the angels. I said, there's a party going on in heaven. He's all, wow, really? Yeah, over you. So, oh, praise God. Well, that leads us to what we're talking about today. The topic that we're going to, doesn't that just... Man, that just oh, just gets to me. Um, we're talking about encourage one another today. Whether you have been a Christian for 500 years, Mr. Stowe, a long time, <laughs> or whether you are brand new to the faith, we all need encouragement. Would you agree with that? We all need encouragement. And so... Um, Here's, here's the basis of the series. In our individualistic society, it's easy to lose sight of the fact 
that Christians are bonded together in a relationship of unity as members of one another. We're, we're members together. Romans 12, 4 says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to one another. So we're talking about the one another's uh, throughout this series. And this is the second installment uh, in this. This theme for the year is pursue. We're pursuing God. We're pursuing the things of God. But this series is entitled, or, or is uh, meant to bring about the fact that we pursue one another through relationship, through phone calls, through encouragement of the Word of God. That's what we're going to talk about because here is the reality. You just heard his story. Robbed at gunpoint. And I'm talking, took the shotgun away from the guy and got fired because he pointed it at the guy. I'm like, I'm alive today. Hello. You know. All, all, <laughs> you see the things that go on in this world, robberies, murders, uh, you look at politics, how things are going, whether you or whether you do not agree with Trump, whether you or whether you don't agree with Obama. Uh, the last few years in our nation has been so hostile toward one another on social media, just, just hostile. It causes us to live under a weight of discouragement. In one sense, it can cause us to live under a weight of discouragement. Here's some other reasons why. We compare ourselves to the perfect life of everyone else because of social media. Every time I see Doug, he is taking a smiley selfie on Facebook, and he must be so happy. Doug never takes a selfie and puts it on Facebook. But you look at their perfect life, you look at their vacations, they're always putting pictures of their vacations on there, and you think, what a perfect life. They got a new car, so they take pictures of their car and they put it online. What a perfect life they live. They're always smiling with their spouse. They never argue with their spouse. Their kids are perfect. They don't ever talk back because all you ever see on social media is the perfectness of it. Again, discouragement begins to set in. The economic downturn several years ago set some folks back, maybe some in this room here. Um, web access has hurt a lot of families, um, all kinds of stuff that has happened with that. Social media now is showing everybody is angry at the establishment, whether it be government or church or neighbors or can't believe that guy in traffic and all this kind of stuff that he did. You know, where is the good news? Where, where is the good news? Where, where can we hear this? Here's some questions that we ask. Why isn't life fair? Mr. Stowe, you had an answer. I've already, I gave you a hard time a few minutes ago, but a chance for me to redeem myself. When people say life isn't fair, like you said, your kid's growing up, life isn't fair, what would you tell them? I have no idea. Life isn't fair is what you told me. <laughs> I would tell them that. Yeah, life isn't fair. You know, so we answer that question. I helped, I just remember that because you would... Tell that to me, and I tell that to my kids, and now it works out great. Why isn't life fair? Well, life just isn't fair. Poor health, poor finances, poor relationships, discouragement. So how do I cope? We, we cope with drugs, alcohol, um, just even if those aren't things that you suffer from, withdrawing, sitting in a dark room, sitting at home with Ben and Jerry's, you know, ice cream whatever it is that, that you choose, how do I cope? Well, look at this. The Bible is full of people who were discouraged. We, we read about this. You had Job. We don't like reading that book. When that comes up on my reading plan and I'm looking at the book of Job, I'm like, 
Oh, my Lord, this guy had it tough. So we look at him. You look at Jonah. He was discouraged because God wanted him to go teach some people about God and about salvation. And he says, I'm not going to go do it. Those people hate us. Lord, why is it that you are allowing them to know who God is? He was discouraged. I'm not sure why, but he was. You look at Moses. You know, he, want, he was in the wilderness for a while, you know, before he came back to lead the people back into the wilderness. You look at the life of, isn't that interesting? Hey, guys, I was just on a 40-year adventure. Do you want to come with me and let's do it again? I'm taking a million people with me this time. You look at Paul. Man, you read some of his stuff in Corinthians. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was wondering what was going on. You look at David. Read the Psalms. You know, the Psalms are uplifting and encouraging, and it's praise to God. But some of those Psalms can be downright depressing when you read some of those Psalms. You're thinking, David, I'm looking for encouragement today. I know to turn to the book of Psalms, and I'm going to be encouraged. Some of those were the book. We have a book called Lamentations. You know, depression, discouragement is there. Now, you may not be in this place today, and I pray that you're not. I pray that you're not in a place of discouragement, but I can probably say either you have been, I hope you never are, but you could be, but I will bet this, you know someone who is currently in a state of depression or discouragement. It affects so many people. Often we can see the light at the end of the tunnel only to discover it's a train coming. <laughs> Have you seen that like on Bugs Bunny and different shows like that? The coyote, he would run in and it was a train that was coming. So here we go. How do we cope until our change comes? We're talking about encouragement today, okay? We're going to get to this part. How do we cope until our change comes? How do we make it? Well, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. We'll get there in just a few moments. We're actually going to be in chapter 10, so go ahead and turn to chapter 10 of Hebrews. Hebrews is written for a group of Jewish Christians who essentially want to give up. They're, they're just, they're done. They're at the end of their rope. In summary, the book of Hebrews is this. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Now, we believe that Paul wrote that book. We're not certain on that, but most scholars will agree that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. And he's essentially saying, you know what? Jesus went before you. He is your advocate. Keep going. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, keep going. So that's the essence of the book that we are, um, that we are getting to. In other words, keep progressing in Christ because the payoff is coming. Right, Ryan? Keep going. You may be homeless. You may have been robbed at gunpoint. You may have lost a relationship. You may have lost this. Uh, you may be uncertain of what's next. But the payoff is, co is coming. Keep going. In this book, the writer, whether it be Paul, whoever it was, he describes a new covenant or a new agreement with God's people, and he's going to cover them because of this new agreement through the blood of Jesus Christ. So I had you turn to Hebrews 10, uh, chapter 10. Let's look at verse 16 here. And here's the new covenant. He says, this is the new covenant that I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. So a new covenant and agreement has been established and God is saying, I'm going to put it on the people's hearts. I'm going to make sure that it's in their minds. And, of course, we have this today in the New Testament. You know, you read through the Gospels, you read through the New Testament, the New Covenant. That's what the New Testament means. It's a new 
covenant that was established through Jesus Christ. So because of that, because of the fact that God said, I'm going to make a new covenant with my people, look down at verse 19. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. So here is the hope. Here is the covenant. You can enter the presence of God boldly because of Jesus Christ. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, that's Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with the pure water. So, we can go boldly into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him, because we know what Jesus has done. What did Jesus do for us? He died on the cross. What's that? He died on the cross for my sins. The lifestyle that I have lived, this is the conversation that Ryan had, that you had when you came to Jesus, because, you know, the lifestyle that I once lived full of sin, Jesus died to pay the price for that sin, because make no mistake, sin needs payment. Sin is a debt. You ever been in debt before? You're in debt now? you got to pay for it and pay for it and pay for it month after month after month. Well, Jesus came to erase that sin debt. How do we have access to that? By receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so since Jesus has done that, we can enter boldly into his presence because we are washed clean because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Any time of day, whether it be noon, whether it be midnight, 3 a.m., 3 p.m., 24-7, we can enter in. We can take advantage of the access that we have been given to the Father. That brings me hope. But this is just a portion of it, okay? Right now we're talking about the God side of it. This is what God has promised as far as encouragement goes. So let's talk about this uh, taking advantage of the access that we've been given to the Father. Now, I believe this is a true story. I'm not positive that this is a true story, but just, just listen to this story. There's a story of a soldier who was outside of the White House many years ago, and he was crying. Basically, I, I'm, I'm, I just, in my mind, I kind of picture him kneeling there. The White House is there. We were just at the White House uh, earlier this year for our, our, our district convention. I'm sorry, for our international convention. And uh, so I kind of get that picture that's there. This was, I think, before that White House. It was a long time ago. This little boy walks up to this soldier, and he's, you know, what's going on? He sees this soldier crying, and here's the soldier's response. He said, son, I appreciate it, but only the president can help with this issue. President Lincoln. The boy grabbed his hand, and he led him through the gate, led him into the White House, led him into the Oval Office, and said, Dad, this guy needs to talk to you. Think of Jesus in that sense. What is, what is your issue? What is your, what is your, your trouble? What is your struggle Hebrews tells us that because of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we have access to go right in. And let me tell you, access to the White House is much more than it used to be back in this time. I think we had to go through three or four checkpoints just to get into the White House when we went uh, back in May. Uh, first of all, you have to call your senator. You have to call your senator and say, we want tickets. You print your tickets. You take them up to the first gate. Then you get to the second gate. Then, well, there's only two. 
uh, places that you had to check. You know, three, there were three uh, that you had to go through. And we think of all the hoops. We make a lot of hoops when it comes to approaching God. You know, and I, and I love your story, Ryan. It's fitting so perfectly with, with today. You know, he said, I want my life to be right. I've got these issues I need to take care of. And so we look at all these hoops, but God says, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, take that as part of your life, and you immediately have access to the Father. So did this soldier just to the President of the United States. How much more we have access to our Heavenly Father because of Jesus. At the point of discouragement, we are encouraged to draw near or to go right in to the presence of God. Draw near to God. Go right in. When you don't feel like it, go in anyway, because feelings should never dictate actions. I don't feel worthy to pray today. I don't feel like God loves me today. Go anyway. Repent, Lord. I ask you see my heart. Make me clean today. Father, I, I need to have a conversation. I need to feel the presence of Jesus in my life today. And he does that. Let's look at the next verse, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. That word hold tight there means don't give up. When the discouragement has set in because of life circumstance or because of personal sin, don't give up. Hold tight to your faith's confession because God is faithful to his word. So if God has guaranteed you access into his presence, it's a sure thing. You can have that when that sets in. <clears throat> God I want you to look at me. God can be trusted. We can't trust a lot of people in this world, can we? we? You really can't. I mean, even people that you love the most sometimes will let you down. But God can be trusted. How do I know that? Because his word says so, and God is not a liar. We face many liars in our lives, but God is not a liar. He who promised is faithful. Now, here you are, you're thinking, okay, but I have prayed about this. Is this anybody? Am I talking to anybody today? I have prayed about this, I have prayed about this, and I don't see the answer yet. You know what? There is often a gap between the promise made and the promise fulfilled. What happens during that time? Does God just forget who you are? Absolutely not. Does God not hear your prayer? Absolutely, He hears your prayer. But there may be a gap of time in between the promise and the fulfillment. And here's what God is doing. He's saying this, if you shrink back instead of drawing near, you have expanded that waiting time. What's going on during that waiting time? Why would God expand that waiting time? Well, he hasn't. Our response has. Because we have drawn back instead of drawing near in those times of discouragement and wondering and waiting, God, where is the answer? Because here's the reality. In our relationship with the Lord, we are either moving forward or we are shrinking back. There is no neutral. God is faithful and he will not lie. So let's talk about this waiting time for a moment. In this waiting time between promise made and promise fulfilled, God is developing your character. Lord, how much of my character means, needs to be developed here? Well, God is working on patience. <laughs> God may be working. I don't know what he's working on. I say that in jest just a little bit, but I don't know what God is working on in your life. 
But in the waiting time, God is developing something in your body, several years, or in your spirit. Several years ago, we had a study on the life of Joseph, and it says, can your character handle your destiny? And we talked about Joseph's life. God had to work a bunch of stuff out before Joseph became second in command over all of Egypt. Had he gone, you know, as a young man, he would have blown it. He wouldn't have been able to do what God had called him to Allow God to, care, to develop your character in the waiting time. Here's an illustration for you. Nathan will be taking driver's ed soon. I know Trey is in driver's ed right now. Who else is? Is anybody else getting ready to do that? Jaden, you're a couple years away still, aren't you? So here's the thing. Nathan will be taking driver's ed soon. He's not ready to drive just yet. Now, I've had him out here. He's been driving. Hannah, I, see, I saw her look at you. Um, I've had Nathan, you know, kind of drive the parking lot when no other cars are out here. He's doing really good at 10 miles an hour. It's awesome. <laughs> but he's not ready to drive just yet because there is a waiting period from the time he starts until he gets his license. What happens in that meantime? I'm with him in the truck. I'm saying, you know, I've, I've, I've put a hole through the floorboard because you know, there's no brake over there. Nathan, slow down. Nathan, speed up. But here's what else I need to be doing. I need to be encouraging him along the way. Nathan, you put your turn signal on perfectly there. You're following, uh, you know, one car length per 10, foot, 10 feet. You're doing great. Uh, I need to be encouraging him because what is happening is he is developing in the meantime. What is your in the meantime? Allow God to develop you. And here's what we need. This is where the sermon's going to take a turning point just before we close this out. Let God develop you, the turning point. We have to encourage each other to keep on going. Here's a true statement. Jesus is enough. Okay? But here is also another true statement. We need each other. Because Jesus, he's enough but sometimes in his supply, he may supply Mike to you. He may supply Kent to you to encourage you. Yes, Jesus is enough, but he has given us one another. So during these times here, encourage others to keep on going. Look at verse 24 in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think, and it's just no, it's no coincidence that we just, that the author here kind of let this be one thought about God being our priest. We can enter in boldly now. Let's talk about each other. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How many of you believe that Jesus is coming soon? The day is drawing near. Here's what the Word of God says. Don't stop meeting with one another. Am I talking about church attendance today? Sure I am. But I'm also talking about, uh, you know, ways that you can, you know, the men's meeting at Panera on Tuesday morning, if you can make that. I'm not talking about organized church stuff, only that type of thing. I'm also talking about Malou saying, hey, Pastor David and Stasha, would you guys like to come over to supper this week? And we'll just, we just want to talk and love you guys and encourage you. Yes, Malou, what would be a good night? Oh, you're out of town? <laughs> Allison. <laughs> That's what it's like. 
Maybe I should say, Malou or Allison, why don't you come over to our house? Actually, you don't want to come over to our house right now. We have boxes everywhere. We're getting ready to move in like less than three weeks to our house. Woo! All right. I just encouraged myself in that one. <laughs> we are subject to discouragement in this world. Our response can be to quit believers, to quit church, and to quit God. But part of your job as a Christian is to stimulate other people to keep going. If you're here at church for the singing, for the music, for the programs, for any reason other than to encourage one another, if that's your primary motivation, it's the wrong primary motivation. The primary motivation, yes, is you want to worship God. But you can worship God at home. You can worship God to your TV, you can listen to podcasts of wonderful speakers, you can put on a Hillsong album and, and worship the Lord in singing, you can do all these things at home, but there is part of being together and encouraging each other that God has commanded for us to do. That's why I'm so thankful that you come on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, Tuesday mornings, the ladies' events, whatever it is. I'm so happy when I look on Facebook and I see people from our church getting together, you know, going to a race or going to whatever it is that you do. Man, I love to see that kind of stuff because here's what I know what's happening. Yes, you're enjoying a good race. Yes, you're enjoying a good meal together. But you know what you're doing? You're also, I bet you that you're encouraging one another in that time. Even Mr. Stowe and Timothy encourage me when we get together. It's exciting. It's not just, and I need a big, this, is, this needs to be the biggest amen I've ever heard. This is not just the pastor's job to encourage. I love to encourage you, and I'm going to do the best that I can. You know, Mr. Pletcher, you look good today. I like that shirt. Actually, you look good because you're sitting by your wife. She helps you. Now, see, that was, that was not a good encouragement, right? You pick out your own clothes. I think she might not like your shirt. I'm not sure what she meant by that. <laughs> but we're here to encourage today. Encouragement should be happening every single day. Jen Hillman picks up the phone tomorrow. And she calls Stasha. Stasha, your hair looked so pretty yesterday. And what does Stasha do? Oh, Jen Hillman, your hair looked so pretty yesterday too. You know, I love the way that you're just, you know, I saw you the other day with your kids and you're taking your kids out and you're buying them school clothes and having lunch. It's so important for a mom to do that with their kids. Encouragement is happening. That's encouraging the body of Christ because why is that? Maybe they didn't speak a scripture, but she's talking about how wonderful of a mother she is to her children. There's encouragement that is happening. Phone calls, meals, sharing. It's up to you, Abundant Life, to encourage one another. Thank you for helping me in that. Thank you for that. The scripture says, think of ways to motivate one another. In a church setting, you should either be one of two things, an encourager or an encouragee. Maybe you came in here today and you're thinking, I don't have any strength in me to encourage today. To, be, to, to encourage someone else today. Life has gotten me down. I'm just, I'm at the end of my rope. Doug comes along. And at the right time, without even realizing it, he's able to encourage someone. Now, here's the thing. Doug just encouraged Jonathan because Jonathan is at the end of his rope and he can't encourage anybody. 
Doug gives him a little bit out of encouragement, gives him some scripture. It lifts Jonathan up. Jonathan begins to walk out, and he sees the pastor on the way. Great sermon today, pastor. I really enjoyed that. What did he just do? Out of his despair and out of his depth, because he was encouraged, he encouraged me on the way out. So you may be an encourager or an encouragee, but you can't always be an encouragee. There will come a point where you will become an encourager. We all need people on our side, even on our worst days. Now, I don't know about you, but here's, here's my flesh side, okay? If I see somebody's having a bad day, I don't want to call them. You know, somebody's venting on Facebook. I'm like, oh, I'm not calling them today. I want to stay away, being real, okay? This is the flesh side. If we know someone, you know, they come barreling out of the house or whatever, we see them in Target and they're just yelling at their kids or whatever, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go to this other aisle. <laughs> I've never done that, maybe. <laughs> we all need people to encourage us, even on our worst days. You be the person who is there for someone on their worst day. Why is that? Because you're going to need somebody to be there for you because you're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad day, and we need each other to encourage us. So how do we do that? The truth of God's word and in love. Give God's point of view in love. Sometimes you don't want to say anything because you might get a pie in your face, you know? Sometimes it's just to be present, just to be there. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. I know it's a tough day for you, Rachel, but I'm, I'm praying for you today. What does that do for her? Somebody's in my corner. Be present. Two final thoughts on encouragement. Encouragement is designed to give hope. Uh, let me just read these scriptures to you. If you want to write um, Romans 15.4 down, 15.4 through 6. It says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patient, patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Jesus Christ. See, God gives us the ability to be able to do that and live in harmony, even when you're having a bad day. God gives us the patience and encouragement to do that. Verse 6 says, Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. I bet there are a bunch of people who had bad days this week. But you know what? Because of the encouragement and the hope that we have in Christ and that we give to one another, we came into this building today and we gave praise and glory to God through Jesus Christ today. That's how this works. It's simple, isn't it? It's so simple. We need one another. Give others hope through Scripture. So encouragement is designed to give hope. Secondly, encouragement is designed to help us deal with sin. Now, I know you can look at your neighbor and you can say, mm-hmm, I know what they've been doing. <laughs> I heard about what you did. You know, we know what's going on. We, 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 we may not know what's going on, but encouragement is help is designed to help us deal with sin. What do I mean by that? You were just in Hebrews. If you look back in chapter 3 of Hebrews, verse 13 says this, You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Now, I want to talk to really good friends here for a moment. 
Not just anybody can come up to you and talk to you about your sin. Although, you know, maybe they should be able to. But let's talk to good friends here for a moment. I look in this room and I see that some of you have good friends. Uh, and I look and I see a lot of you have spouses here today. It's hard when your spouse says, exposes <laughs> some, one of your wrongs. What do you do? You get defensive. If a, good fr- if a friend of yours exposes a wrong that you have, you may get defensive. But God has designed encouragement to help us deal with sin. Kent, the road that you're going on, I, I saw how you talked to that employee, and it, it was not a good thing, Kent. You didn't represent Christ well in that. Now, that happened through friendship, and I don't know that Kent can talk mean to anybody, but just for the sake of argument, he's all, yeah, you're right, I can't. But anyway, no. <laughs> Here's why we want to warn each other against sin. Well, we want the best for other people, right? But let's look at this. Sin causes a delay in God's plan for you. So if I can help my brother, if I can expose, Tommy, you know, the the way you handled this the other day, it wasn't glorifying to God. Well, he just delayed something. What if I'm the friend that comes to Tommy and says, and and he's like, you know what? You're exactly right. And because of that, the delay has just been shortened because sin will bring that delay about. We need each other. We need to encourage each other to keep moving forward and not regressing towards the past. Don't go back to the sinful ways you once walked in. Maybe it's don't keep ignoring your mother's phone calls. You know, your mom wants to talk to you. The Bible says honor your father and your mother, you know, those type of things. Whatever it is, those are just some examples. It may look sweet, but don't look back. Move forward and pursue God. Here's what I want you to do. Now, this is going to seem kind of cheesy, okay? But let's, let's just go through the cheesiness. It's almost lunchtime, and you may get lunch with cheese on it and just think about this. I want you to look at the person beside of you and offer them hope. Tell them, don't give up. God's got your back. Was that so hard? Jesus loves you. Tell somebody that. That's, man, that's a lot right there. We have singing going on in this place today. We were put here on this earth. We were put together in these neighborhoods. We were put at Abundant Life Church to point our brothers and sisters back to the cross. Or maybe, I'm going to go back to Ryan's story, maybe to point them to the cross. God had already been revealed. But it was time to take the final step. And because of encouragement, his life is never the same. So now what do we do? We all encourage Ryan. We all encourage, you know, Matt and Amanda. You do such a good job with our kids. I know you were in with the kids, the elementary age last Sunday, right? Yeah. You did such a wonderful job back there. Can we give Matt and Amanda a hand just for being with our kids? You feel good, don't you? Right? Isn't that awesome? You told people, little people, how they could grow in godliness and know Jesus Christ. I just pointed them back to the cross and the mission and the purpose that they have with those children. When you go back and get your kids today, love on Matt and Jen back there. Thank you for taking care of our kids today. Just thank you for all that you've done. When you go back to the uh, Aloha Hut back there and the ones who are with the babies and the toddlers back there, parents, if that's you, encourage them, thank them for all that they have done. Point them to the realities of heaven. You're going to have an opportunity 
to do that today. Can we stand? And I just, man, I just want to encourage you in your love of Christ. Thank you for how you love people. Thank you for, personally, thank you for how you love me and Stasha and our boys. Some of you put up with Nathan, and I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> oh, we all do. It's a, um, but you know, I am, I'm so grateful for that. And, and I don't, again, I don't want this to be cheesy. I'm, I'm serious about this. We love you so much. We're going to be celebrating five years here in January. It has been a wonderful five years. Why is that? Because Jesus has blessed us and God is good? Absolutely. But he is because he's placed you in our lives. And we get to do this thing together and encourage one another. I, I want to ask you today, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Why is that? Because we're pointing you to Jesus, and we're pointing you to the cross. And if, you want to, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, just like Ryan, you believed in God, God had spoken to you because he was drawing you, and you just haven't made that decision yet. If you want to make that decision today, can I pray for you? I'm going to just ask that you slip up your hand. Anybody at all? Can I pray for you today? Amen. I'm going to pray for you. You're making the best decision of your life today, Chris. You are. The best decision of your life. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Well, let's do this. Let's pray. And Chris, I'm going to have you come down. And Larry and Gail, if you'll come on down as well. Uh, Chris, if you'll just meet with Larry and Gail. They, they got a gift they want to give you, okay? And uh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Anybody else wants to come? Matter of fact, we're going to do this right now, okay? Um, Larry and Gail, if you'll just kind of put your hands on him. This is another amazing story that I'm, I'm ready to hear his. We had a, a meeting a couple weeks ago, got together downtown, had some Hebrews coffee, and we're just talking about uh, the plans that God has for his life. And here's what I appreciate. This in no way is embarrassing him whatsoever because you know the plan that you're, you know the decision that you're making for the Lord. So let's just pray. Can you stretch your hands out toward Chris today? Father, I thank you for Chris. Lord, I thank you for his life and the decision that he's making to follow you today. And we celebrate just as all of heaven is celebrating. And as Chris is confessing his sin before you and confessing the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and has raised him from the dead, Lord, we rejoice from him. And I thank you for that confession that he is making and that Larry and Gail will be walking him through here in just a few moments. Lord, we encourage him in Jesus' name. We encouraging him, his, him and his faith to not give up. We encourage him to become an encourager to one another. And Jesus, we thank you so much for the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us and that sets us free. We will never be the same again. Church, can we just thank God, give him a clap offering this morning. Amen. 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 Well, here's our dismissal today. Lord, let, let God's love and his face just shine upon you and be gracious and merciful to you. Uh, I'm not going to ask Larry and Gail to pray because they're going to talk with Chris and give him a Bible and everything like that. So God bless you as you're dismissed. We'll still make our way to the back so we can love on you. See you on Wednesday.